and gentlemen, it's Canadian's time. Hello and welcome to Canadian's time. Back in the old format, which is now going to be the new format. So a lot has happened. The Habs just lost big to the Florida Panthers tonight. And uh, I guess what you can say about that game is the Habs certainly didn't quit as they scored five goals to at least try to stay in it. And even though that it was pretty much a lost cause, but you, know, you got to give the credit to the Canadians. They still stated and showed a lot of fight. And Sam Montembeau came in, and, and after that ninth goal was scored, just um, locked things down. So it's um, it's uh, it's uh, just uh, <laughs> we want to forget about this game, don't we? Moving on from that, so a uh, point that was made on Lockdown Canadians by Scott Matla is that the Habs face a very difficult schedule compared to the teams they're competing with in the low rung of the standings. So it's very possible that the Habs are going to drop a bit because they just have the harder schedule, so the, the chances of losing are just higher. But at the same time, Matla pointed out that there's just there's not really going to be a chance to catch some of those really really bottom dweller teams, and so the tank commanders should be happy that the there's a really good chance that the Habs are going to lose a bunch of games and um, it's going to still work out that the Habs are going to end up with a relatively good pick. Speaking of the future, though, the, um, the Habs Unfiltered crew um, theorized that after two years, the Habs are going to be playoff bound. So I'll be very interested to see um, if that comes to pass. Um, it would be great if it would happen next year, but uh, it's hard to say, really. I mean, we see sort of the – I mean, <laughs> obviously, the team needs to not be injured. And that would be, that'd be nice. I mean, I, you know, the amount of injuries this team has faced is just ridiculous. So the, the team has to put out put a team that's not injured on the ice, and then we'll see what they can really do. But – presuming injuries don't become this ridiculous, then, you know, I guess, I mean, two years seems realistic and uh, maybe sooner. Also, uh, on the happy hour, uh, Beth pointed out that uh, Nick Suzuki has his second 50-point season and um, becoming the first Habs player since Saku Koivu to have consecutive seasons with 50-plus points at the age of 23 or younger. So Nick is just a fantastic player, and he's proving it in the stats. Injury-wise, we have so many injuries, but we just saw Chris Dvorak out for the season with knee surgery. 
So he is added to the list of players that will not be available. Lockdown Canadians told us that Louis Badon has been signed for a tryout with the Rocket. Uh, so Scott Matla believes that Joel Teasdale has earned an NHL shot after his performance with the Rocket. Be interesting to see if he gets it. And of course, will be will that be under favorable circumstances or will it be because somebody else get injured? Ian Bavere on the build has been noting that Jesse Ulinen may be putting things together as he has two goals in the last two games when that episode was taped. Um, I do not recall if Ulinen scored tonight versus um, Florida or not. Um, I'd have to look, and I neglected to do that. So needless to say, it does look like Ulinen is um, becoming much more um engaged offensively uh mark Dumont uh had an interesting uh point about alex belzeal he did some um stats crunching and found that he's among the f- top five players in the nhl when it comes to 5v5 production in relation to ice time with 3.08 points per 60 with a minimum of 100 minutes so that's uh excuse me. Got a little hair there. That's uh that's very impressive. Now obviously Dumont points out that Belzeal is not as necessarily as good as some of the players he is surpassing with that number, but that it's still impressive all the same. Ian Boisvert has sing the praise of Denis Garionov and and posited that he may be useful on power play too. Also, on the latest episode of The Build, which is episode 41, Boisvert talked about the pro scouting team that the Canadians have and why it's important. And I found that to be a fascinating discussion. So I urge you to listen to that episode. Over on the happy hour, Veronica pointed out that after the Colorado game, that uh, in her estimation, the grief and misdirected anger that had been pointed at Arturi Lekkinen during his time at the in Montreal finally may have ebbed and instead been replaced with appreciation. So um, that's a good thing. And, um, you know, if he was treated unfairly, if he's getting his respect now that he's gone it's still better late than never i guess on habs unfilter they have been pointed out that riley kidney's averaging two goals a game which is you know kidney has actually fallen sort of out of the um it has not been getting as much attention as a lot of the other prospects even though he is getting you know two two goals a game so it's it was good they pointed that out uh, scott matla and his reporting uh covered the game where the laval rocket lost two to nothing and dropped out of a playoff spot and things are really tightening up in that um in the chase to get into the playoffs so Laval does not want to, um, you know, tempt fate there. 
is a very interesting statistic was talked about on the happy hour um or it's not a statistic it's a piece of information uh david oche uh brought it up and it's actually uh miso soup on twitter posted this and it pointed out uh the last 40 50 goal scores in the last 90 and 100 point um scores in montreal uh, history and uh that was put in a tweet and I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes and um the uh just just pointing out just of of those the last 50 goal scorer was stefan Riche in 1989-90 and the last 100 point season was matt's naslin in 1985-86 and you can uh, look at the tweet for the 40 goal scorer for 90 point seasons and and they're they are not they came in the early 90s and so the canadians really could use some superstar talent to get that sort of production and cole caulfield was trending that way before he got injured but he got injured also um in what the canadians are still playing for us on the happy hour beth reminded us that the canadians still have a chance to defeat the leafs in the season series and the worst that can happen is the Canadians tie, but they, um, but the Habs can still win the series, and I think that's an important, um, important still moral victory that can be won. Turning to um, some some articles that uh, came out, um, the excellent Blaine Potvin wrote an article about how the uh, Canadians need to rebuild goaltending depth. And um, he said that none of the prospects in the system are future NHL starter. And that's been, he's not the only one to have said that. And um, he wrote of some possible ways to fill that um, void um, one option was on the free agent market and he uh, uh, he suggested it could be Semyon Varlamov who um, has a criminal past so I'm opposed to that on on those grounds but um, Potvin stayed um on the ice with his points and mentioned though that Barlamov due to his age may only want to be with a contender so he may not want to go to the Canadians who are rebuilding so the problem may resolve itself without having to get into you know his past which is terrible also um Potvin pointed out Ilya Samsonov who is 26 might fit in better with the rebuilding process that the Canadians are going through. But um, Poffin also brought up a good point and said that he doesn't believe that there's anyone better with a reasonable cap hit than Jake Allen. So, so that that's to be considered in trading options. He believes that, Carter Hart could be an instant upgrade or Devin Levi. Now, Levi, of course, is unproven in the professional level as he's still playing goal in Northeastern. Of course, his, his 
season just ended. But uh, Carter Hart, of course, has played for the Flyers and is having a very good season this year, but, you know, has been inconsistent. Um, Personally, I would not go for Hart. Just he, he is all right right now, but what he, he showed, he just showed himself to not be necessarily reliable before. And I think the Canadians need to get somebody who is more steady than that. If they're going to make a trade, if they're going to try to get somebody who is, they want to be that rock in net, don't go with somebody who people had doubts about. And even if he had a good year right now. And I mean, Levi may be an answer um, as a, as a top prospect, it's um, it's tricky because you don't know what you're getting per se. But um, if you if you make that pick, if you make that trade, at least you're you're getting a potential, but um, a, a potential great player. But again, again, you don't know for sure you're getting a great player. So it's it's. Uh, it's it's really a tough call. Um, Poppin in his article also outlined some options if the Canadians want to draft a goaltender. So I urge you to read that article and see what um, he had to say there. Uh, Poppin also had an interesting article about how the Canadians need to solve their injury issues if they want to succeed. And this is at one in one in one sense this is an obvious point um but also it, he pushes back on this sort of like narrative that has come out of some fans that the canadians medical staff is at fault for all these injuries and you know poffin points out well if the medical staff is failing they wouldn't be having their jobs per se and Generally, that is that is correct. I mean, most of the time, if the medical staff is incompetent, they wouldn't have their jobs. Now, there are exceptions. There are cases where people have had kept their jobs while they're sucking at their jobs. It happens everywhere. But I would tend to uh, tend to agree with the logic, though, that it is very likely that um, that the, the Canadian's medical staff is doing their job and Potvin talked to doctors and trainers um, to get their opinion on what was going on. And they didn't believe the Canadians medical staff had done anything wrong. But, um, but Potvin's point was that, um, that the, whatever they have to do, the Canadians need to find ways to somehow lower the amount of injuries and that may not and that whatever that has to be um it it whether it's just a, a changes the routine or something else there just needs to be changes to to um make that happen so that's an interesting article i i urge you to read that one as well after the Penguins game, 
uh, Brian Wilde had his recap and um, there was uh, just uh, three quick points I wanted to make about that. The uh, one thing was he had pointed out that uh, Justin Barron's uh, passing was excellent in the game. And that was not a point lost on many that Barron seemed to be doing very well um, with the transition game in in this game, um, using games twice there. Also, though, um, Wilde looked back at the Colorado game, and he had pointed out that the Avalanche defenders were good at being offensive, and he was saying how forwards need to be more defensive. And he felt that Barron, Mike Matheson, Caden Gooley were players that would be very good offensive defensemen. And the Canadians had more players like that in the system and that um, they would be able to, the more the Canadians would were able to adapt a system like Colorado's, the more successful they would be. And I found that to be an interesting point, an interesting take. Um, and obviously Colorado has won the Stanley Cup last season, so it's not a bad idea to look to them for potential success. Um, also, Wilde made um, a point about the fan base, um, which uh, I would suggest uh, you take a look at and uh and so that'll be in the show notes um then the last area i wanted to delve into is talking about prospects because that's come up a lot um and uh there's a lot of writing about the prospects and some podcast discussion and just Obviously, it's a big deal right now, especially as um, various European leagues are wrapping up and um, the NCAA, NCAA season is wrapping up as well. And so um, just starting off with Emil Heinemann, uh, Marco D'Amico pointed out that um, after the SHL playoffs in Sweden's, uh, Sweden, um, he's already signed a contract with the Canadian so he can go to the rocket. Um, and, uh, the, um, his team did lose. So he's expected to join the rocket. Um, Scott Matla on lockdown Canadian said his heavy shot could help on the power play. Uh, D'Amico, um, thought that he might cons possibly get a, a trip to Montreal, but it looks like it's going to be um, Laval as the destination. And um, the um, and Patrick Bexell, who's an expert on European prospects, uh, was talking about how the deal um, meant this year signed this deal he had signed meant he couldn't go to the ahl this year 
unless it was after the Swedish season was over. He could only go to the NHL or Sweden. So once he didn't go to the NHL, he had to go to Sweden. Um, Bexell also had to say that um, his style suits American ice better than the uh, larger European ice surface. Um, and uh, and he uh, he he mentioned that um, he um, he mentioned that he has a wicked shot and that he, he they need to see where he gets lost in the defensive zone on the european ice and um and work on work on that and the it's going to be faster in the nhl so that's going to be a a, a thing to adapt to um he he doesn't have the hockey IQ of saying Arturi Lekkonen and others as Bexell compared it, but um, but um, I think Bexell's point was that he does he, he does have a, he does have a competency, but that it's not as high as certain other players and. Um, Baxell said on Lockdown Canadians that uh, he shouldn't go to the NHL immediately. He should, he should, like like next year, he should spend some time in the AHL. And um, and I'm sort of rambling through a bunch of points that were made eloquently um, on the Lockdown Canadians podcast, um, which yeah, I suggest you listen to. Um, that so that that's that's his status right now turning to um sean farrell he is still in the ncaa um his harvard's still playing this weekend um he is marco d'amico expects him to sign an entry-level contract um either in late March or early April, depending on when the NCAA season um, wraps up. Mark Dumont noticed that um, he scored two goals and two assists in Harvard's two-game sweep of Princeton in the earlier round of the ECAC playoffs. Um, Dumont also um, describes him as being versatile in playing power play and penalty kill minutes, but he is he as a quote he is quote he's evolved into a double threat from an offensive standpoint, keeping defensemen guessing as to his intentions, which creates time and space for his line mates. And Blaine Potvin uh, noted that Farrell has twenty goals and fifty one points in only thirty one games, which is third overall in scoring across the entire NCAA. So Farrell has just been excellent all year. And um, and I believe was nominated for the, reached the top 10 list for the Hobie, Hobie Baker nominees. Then we get to Jaden Struble, who um, 
attracted a lot of attention with signing with the um he signed with the Canadians and he signed with the Rocket. The Canadians contract does not start till next year. The AHL contract with the Rocket starts now. Um, he is, Scott Matla describes him as an agile skating, physically gifted defender. Marco D'Amico says he has good offensive instincts, jumping into the rush at opportune times. However, he never quite unlocked his offensive potential in his time in the NCAA. He also describes him as his puck-moving abilities are good, though unlikely to easily translate to the professional level. Blaine Potvin says he played a physical style with excellent mobility and confidence in moving the puck into transition. And um, he notes he does not have impressive offensive numbers, but he provided his club with leadership and a steadying hand on the blue line. And um, and uh, a few other a few other um, analysis. Um, Hattie Kalakesh says um, he argues. I'm quoting him. He that Struble has more offensive upside than any defenseman currently with the Habs or Rocket. The moment he displays, uh, the movement he displays on and off the puck, the intelligence and subtlety of this puck distribution and poise, the way he fiercely jumps into plays and never se settles for the first play he sees. The keyword here is offensive upside. He's not going to step in and put up 50 points, nor is it guaranteed, but he's got the potential to become one of the best offensive transitioners in the NHL. So that's a, that's a quote there. At the same time, Byron Bader says, he's no Lane Hudson, but Jaden Struble has some NHL potential, likely a mid-bottom rotation defender, something similar to Adam Pellick is a likely ceiling. So a lot of different opinions there. Um, but needless to say, um, there's a lot of good points about him there and adam pellick is a you know uh, you know he's a nhl regular um so i'm sure i'm sure uh struel would settle for nhl regular and um so it'll be interesting now as in bavere noted on the build there are already nine players with NHL contracts for the Canadians on D. So it may be hard for Struble to find a place in the NHL with already the log jam ahead of, ahead of him. Then speaking of defense, Lane Hudson as as Blaine Potvin mentioned, he is not only the first defenseman to win the Hockey East scoring title, he's the first freshman to do so since Jack Eichel did. And obviously Jack Eichel is a forward. The um the on Habs Unfiltered, they expect Hudson to sign when his season is over, which is 
interesting because he's a freshman, so he could come back for more seasons, but they're expecting him to sign. So that's that'll be very interesting. Um and uh Ian Boisvert, though, um notes and warns that while he has a ton of offensive upside, he can't be asked to play like, say, like a Joel Edmondson because of his size. So there's um so there's that there's that. Hudson is also um on the top ten list of uh Hoey Baker nominees. And uh he's just had an incredibly impressive season at BU. Jacob Dobes, um, and I'm not certain on the pronunciation there. Um is the goaltender at Ohio State. And uh, in Potvin's in Potvin's words, he's one of the top goaltenders to ever play for Ohio State. But he he's has unfiltered believes he's going to go back to the NCAA. Adam Ingstrom is in Europe, and according to Patrick Rixell, his hockey IQ is enormous. His offensive upside is is due to not having the same skills as say Matthias Norlander because he has to um quote trust the system play his vision he knows how to when to take a shot also uh, his skating acumen skating is real good and his defensive acumen is there so so um so just a really smart player but um doesn't have the skill set of some, but um, but makes up for it. And uh, Bexell says um, he doesn't need to rush over from Europe. He can he can play over there and develop. And uh, considering what the log jams that there are in the uh, Canadian system, that's probably for the best. Just some final points. Uh, Frederick Dikoff, um is a goaltender who is um, questionable in terms of what he brings. Um, Bexell thinks he's making progress, um, sees a weakness in his rebound control, though. Um, as uh, it should be noted that um, at the moment, I would believe that... Uh, he probably wouldn't figure into Blaine Potvin's view of what the system of who is an NHL ready goalie. So he have to he have to work on that to make himself more um, um, uh, more prepared. So it's, it's we don't necessarily know what we have in Dikoff. Um and. Uh, and last but not least, Philip Mashar. Um, according to Marco D'Amico, he could join the Rocket after the OHL season concludes. He's had an up and down season um, playing for a team that is um, not necessarily the best team for him to be on, but um, he's, I, I guess, he's doing his best. But so he still might get a shot with the rocket, depending on the timing. And uh, that will be interesting. So uh, Canadians now are going to be facing Tampa next, which is not the greatest team to be facing after you got beaten nine to five. 
But uh, who knows what they'll come up with because they've been an unpredictable team and hopefully they'll be full of surprises. So that's all.